Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Coming up in an hour, former Titans head coach Jeff Fisher in studio with us. Our studios, 6th and Peabody with Yaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Welcome to Outkick 360. 20 minutes from now, Armando Salguero joins us as we go through the top NFL news and notes and headlines of Week 11. First, though, we hit the headlines of the day. Um, a horrible video surfaced uh, from a weekend incident involving former NFL running back Zach Stacy, former Vanderbilt Commodore as well. A domestic violence incident that was caught on camera. He's on the run. Uh, this happened in Florida. Uh, police arrived on the scene. Uh, if you haven't seen the video, it's available on, on social media. It is disturbing. Where he throws his girlfriend across the room. Uh, the mother of his child across the room into a television, watches as the TV falls on top of her, um, grabs her again, uh, throws her around again. The baby uh, in the room, right? Yeah, the five-month-old is on the couch, I think, during horrific. all of this. Yeah, it is, it is horrific. And uh, they're, they're, there's a manhunt going on for him, quite frankly. Based on what I've, I've read through the headlines, they're, they're tracking him, and they believe he may be headed to Nashville. Was it Chris Long who tweeted, play with the guy for a couple of years and think you know him? And uh, and then see something like that. I'm not retweeting it, but man, uh, you know, something. I'm paraphrasing, but amazing that you could think you know a guy and then see something like that. A lot of NFL guys and teammates tweeting their contempt for it, what they think should happen to him, and their utter shock. Some of them that knew him that he's capable of something like that. Healthy uh, healthy dialogue on the subject, obviously. Well, and I talked to a few people who who knew Zach at Vanderbilt uh, here in Nashville, and they're all shocked. Yeah, I mean, completely shocked that um, that this was this was quote unquote one of the good guys was how he was always known at Vanderbilt when he came back. Everything else, and they are shocked uh, to see that video. I also watch that video and think, uh, and I think David Reed said the same when he saw it. That probably not the first time this has happened. Unfortunately, it looked way too casual. Easy. It will look way too casual and like it's something that's happened before. And again, there's nothing casual about the video. It's brutal. Um, you know, it, it comes with a warning at TMZ who broke the story about the sensitive nature of the video. And it is as bad as, as you can imagine. And uh, look, I, I, I pray for the victim. I pray for that five-month-old child in this situation. And I, I also pray that Zach Stacy. There's a, there's two types of ways to go from here. What Zach Stacy did was horrendous, and he should go to jail for it. But there are two different types of people that do bad. Those that do something like that, and then when they see it, they try to justify it or make excuses for it, or they feel nothing. That's what's really scary. Yeah. My prayer would be that Zach Stacy <laughs> sees that video and is disgusted in himself. And from everyone I've talked to about Zach Stacy, they believe that's probably the case. After he sees it and knows what he does, that he is disgusted with himself. It's a terrible story. It goes to show you that you know there's there's nothing anymore that's surprising. 
to really anyone about you know anyone else, but it doesn't make it any more uncomfortable and, and terrible when you see it with your own eyes. Well said. Hopefully he gets uh, you know serves his time and gets the help. And, and several NFL players have already tweeted and and shown and and said their their piece on it. Devontae Adams was one that Another said one, yeah. Zach Stacy needs to be thrown in jail. Uh, you lay your hands on a woman, you're a coward. Uh, and retweeted the TMZ report. Um, he's, I think, 30, 31 years old. He last played in 2017 in the league, and he is an ambassador, or was, for the Music City Bowl here in town. They have parted ways with him based on this video that surfaced earlier this morning. Police responded within two minutes of the 911 call, and he was long gone. It's amazing. Uh that that you could that anybody gets away that fast is amazing to me, especially if you're not an expert criminal, right? Two minutes. How far can you get? How far can you go? Uh, and I know police are expert at at. I'm not being critical of them. I'm I'm being amazed at his ability to get away. Um, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, that it's rough. and it's it's in, in, in the video. It's not it's not one incident within it. It's. Oh yeah, coming back for more. Yeah, where it looks at times like he's walking away <laughs> and leaving, and then comes back, and that's one of the more sickening. That's parts the other of thing it. about the ease that you guys are referring to. It, like he probably not of right mind there. Probably, probably knows there's a camera. Like in, in his I right guess, mind, probably yeah. knows there's a camera in there, and and doesn't is so enraged. Well, that's the that last thing on his mind. There are multiple, yeah. multiple, multiple cameras. There's multiple angles. So Just, yeah, uh, you. you you, you see it a couple different ways. Uh, the, the just horrendous act that that's on camera. You see it at different angles. It's it, it's terrible. Paul, you have seen the debut episode one of Man in the Arena with Tom Brady. What do you think? I, I watched this last night. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, a couple things that really set it apart. First off, it's on ESPN Plus. No commercials, so it's like a fifty-eight minute thing. It's a fifty-eight minute thing. It felt long, like good long, like you don't want it to end, and it doesn't end. The other thing is, I think there are only two people speaking in this entire episode, Willie McGinnis and Drew Bledsoe. This starts at the beginning, a little bit of, of Michigan coming into the league, the draft, and ends with the second his second year, ending with the Super Bowl championship. I didn't remember, I mean, I didn't remember that it was 9-11 year that they were dealing with that. I didn't remember that Bledsoe came back in the AFC championship game when Brady hurt his ankle and that Belichick was making a decision on Tuesday of Super Bowl week as to who to start against the Rams and that he went hmm. back to Brady and that there was some controversy connected to it. Ends with them winning that game. But the only people who talk in it are McGinnis and Bledsoe, which I felt like that should feel thin. You know why it doesn't feel thin? Because Brady is all over it, talking you through everything. And it's spectacular. Simon, my 12-year-old, came in relatively early. It is hard to get a 12-year-old in America today to invest in a TV show. And when it was finished, he was like, that was awesome. And I said, well, there are going to be about seven more of these. You in? And he said, I am totally in. So Where, where is it? It's on ESPN+. Plus, ESPN+. Plus. And it's, it's comparable to the Jordan Last dance, which is what they were looking for, right? There's no pandemic where it's going to be the first thing we talk about the day after it drops. It's also not on at a scheduled time, so it's not the same. But I'm eager for you guys to catch up and hopefully for us to do it together because 
if it's going this route, and if they've got two more guys that talk in that kind of detail in every episode, I wonder if Vrabel will be one of them. I got to ask him. Oh, he is. I, the trailer has Vrabel is. in it. I mean, the the, Vra- the so the trailer has Vrabel dropping f bombs in it, and it has Brady dropping multiple f bombs. So I asked this because you watch with Simon. Do they bleep them out no, like they do in the trailer? No. I, I'm willing to let Simon hear language in certain contexts. Oh, I'm not with judging. Under- I'm yeah, just no. asking if they do that with or an, not. With an understanding that he Because the last dance did it on ESPN, then yeah. you could go back and watch the online version that didn't bleep anything out. No, there were plenty of F-bombs. And he basically said, like, uh, 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 he went out with his parents. I'm not spoiling anything. I think this is in the trailer. He went out with his parents one time at Michigan and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a bleeping household name someday. And then he said he was kind of half-joking. And then, I, then after this first Super Bowl, he's like, we just won a damn Super Bowl. I just quarterbacked a damn Super Bowl team. Household name. Yeah, I need to watch I it. I couldn't believe that it came true. But you just forget because of everything he's done in the 20-plus years since, how out of nowhere that team was the yeah. first time. I mean, the tuck rule and that snow game that they had no business winning. And then they won at Pittsburgh in in similar fashion with Bledsoe coming off the bench. Well, and it felt so storybook because I I remember, I can't believe you forgot that it was 9-11 that year because my memory of it was this is amazing. The Patriots. That it's the Patriots who were the first ones to run with the the flag after 9-11 with uh, the, the, the firefighter brother that played for the Patriots and that whole story lost his brother, lost his brother in it and ran through with the flag. I remember Bono and U2 playing halftime right, yeah. and had the American flag underneath the uh, with the Patriots beating the Rams in it, and they had all the victims from 9-11 yeah, scrolling on the screen. The one thing they kept saying, the Rams beat them in the regular season. I think it was their last loss of the regular season, and they kept saying, we're going to get you again, and we're going to beat you. And they kept talking about them as the defending champs. But this was 2001, and the Rams weren't defending champs. The Rams won in 99. Didn't the Ravens win in 2000? They did. Right? So they, they were miscasting that. And I kept saying to Teresa, they weren't the defending champs. Yeah, the Ravens beat the Giants in yeah. the, badly in the Super Bowl yeah. the year before. I was at that Super Bowl. So I was like, I know that they weren't defending champs, but they were just skipping right back. Apparently, they didn't respect Ravens winning in 2000 very much. <laughs> yeah, it was the... Well, so what they, may be, what they might be saying is if they look it up, the, the Rams are technically the 2000 Super Bowl champs. Yeah. Because they played in January of 2000. But everybody does a pretty good job I nowadays know, of just connecting it to the season and not looking at the, the year defending. That it's in. The defending champs would have been Baltimore. Uh, sure. it's re- I Paul, think it's really good. I'm on this to where it's, it's it jumping out. hard knocks, Colts edition for me. Well, you can knock to out both tonight. tonight if you've got two hours. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> at least one of those will have to be by myself, and I don't stay awake long enough by myself to be able to watch two. <laughs> yeah. But. I'll try to knock out one. I give it a full endorsement. I'll be surprised if you guys don't come back and uh, and say the same. Brady taking on the Giants this week. Uh, Giants and Bucks on Monday Night Football. We'll be discussing that with Armando Salguero. We will also chat with Armando about the Patriots, one of the hottest teams in football. They're playing tonight on Thursday night against the Atlanta Falcons. And there's a lot of comparisons to the season that we just discussed and everyone trying to say that You're this is right. very similar with no out of nowhere, a rookie quarterback, uh, first-time starter for Bill Belichick, is leading this team to greatness. Just is, no is internal. The there was no internal bleeding to open the door for him. That's right. Yeah, we have Armando Salguero straight ahead on OutKick 360. 
Armando Salguero will join us in about five minutes. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Sixth and Peabody's where we're located each and every day here in Nashville. Yeehaw beer, old smoky moonshine. We've got some construction going on here in the studio. Soon to be wrapped up. Yes. We have been able to peek around the curtain behind us. We're excited to We've unveil everything. We've seen a desk. Can't wait for you to see it. We've seen a desk also that, that's going to be with us uh, very soon. I, someone was asking earlier in the YouTube chat, are you guys just adding more props behind you by the day? And I, I told them there's some under construction work behind those banners behind us if you're watching. And that's what's going on. So we will be complete. That's right. We'll be made whole very soon. This, this studio will be made whole. Paul, you chatted with, uh, and the media chatted with A.J. Brown today. So A.J. Brown posted last Friday, November 12th, a uh, TikTok message that he put on um, other, other social media, uh, a, a message about having contemplated suicide a year ago, November 12th, 2020. He thought about taking his own life. Stepped to the podium today and kind of picked up from there, knowing that it was going to be a big topic of conversation. Uh, I've given uh, Jacob some of the video here, and I think we should listen to it and discuss it. Uh, he started off with uh, why he posted uh, that video. Everyone have saw the video I posted on Friday. Um, um, to be honest, I posted the video. Um, that was a, a, a dark time in my, my life. Didn't nobody really know, um, but I posted it because I wanted to encourage others to seek help whenever they are they are they are down. Um, I didn't know, really, really didn't take in consideration what depression really was. I always just brushed it off. Uh, that's how I, I grew I grew up. Um, I just brushed off my feelings and uh, and uh, it got the best of me, you know. And I just wanted to. Put out a positive message that uh, that I'm still here. I'm still I'm still growing. I'm still learning. I'm, I'm blessed. I'm, I got a lot of things to be grateful for, and uh, someone was there for me. So um, reach out to the loved ones and ask them how they're doing and, and listen to them. You know, because it's important. You know, so uh, yeah. The someone who was there for him turned out to be a guy. A lot of people wanted to see the Titans draft somebody that. A.J. Brown wanted to see the Titans draft and somebody who's playing for the New York Jets, Elijah Moore. He's, he's more than family. He's more than family. Uh, I love him like he's my brother. I, he is my, bro my brother, but um, he's a special, special person. And, uh, I appreciate him each and every day. Another guy who was really good to A.J. Brown throughout this whole thing and, and we know he's been really good with, with everybody, with whatever issues they have going on outside of, of the green, the white lines. Yeah. Mike Vrabel. You know, sometimes I know this is a business, and, and sometimes you don't want to get emotionally attached or tied with someone, you know, because it's a, it's a business side of it. But, man, I appreciate him so much. Um, and, and people like that, I think, no matter however this business may go, I think um, forever I'll be a friend of his and he'll be a friend of mine, you know. Um, but I appreciate him so much for just opening his door, just listening, trying to help me as much as I can. It doesn't go unnoticed with me. So uh, he's definitely family in my book, uh, regardless of we have a part ways down the line, I hope, which I hope, I hope not, but, you know, but I appreciate him so much. 
so a lot of people took the TikTok post last week and and were kind of acting like it was a, a recent thing. Um, it was a year ago. And so he talked about being in a better place now, a year later after he's kind of figured out some strategies for dealing with this. And specifically November 12th, a year yeah. ago. Yeah, that was the loss to Indianapolis. He knows the date. On Thursday night football, 34 to 17. So here he is on a better place. That was, I'm in a better place mentally. Uh, I'm, that was, that's behind me. That's behind me now. Um, I know how to deal with certain things if something comes up in my life now. Uh, like I said, growing up, I just kind of brushed off my feelings and, you know, I buried it. And, uh, you know, you, you don't need to do that. You, know, you need to get things off your chest and talk to someone. You know. Remind me about that Colts game. Chad, which which Colts game was it? Thirty four seventeen loss on Thursday night football in Nashville. It was here. That's why I immediately went up and I heard November twelfth and looked back and saw November twelfth, twenty twenty was the thirty four seventeen home loss on Thursday night football. We're increasingly hearing athletes talk about mental health issues. I don't know that we've heard many talk about contemplating suicide. Um, whether we have or haven't, I mean that's obviously a huge thing that a guy was contemplating that found help. And it's now using his platform to tell other people, hey, if you're thinking about that, don't don't do it. And, uh, you know, find somebody to talk to, professional, and find somebody to talk to like I found Elijah Moore, like I found Mike Vrabel. I mean, it was, it was uh, real, honest, emotional, raw, uh, mature. And I think that what he's doing will go to serve others that contemplate some of the same thoughts maybe AJ was having. He doesn't know the effect that he's going to have with the broad scope of everything uh, by just coming out and saying what he was going through because this is a guy who was having a phenomenal season. who's banged up with his knees last year. Yep. But uh, phenomenal season, and you would have thought he was on top of the world, especially midway through the year. It's a great lesson, and it is a great example for so many people to see AJ Brown, you know, this uh, – Titan of Titans, so to speak, uh, on this Titans team. It's a great player that's got a lot of things going for him, you know, you, you see in life, but that everybody struggles individually with their, their own problems. And it probably does make it a lot easier for someone that's not A.J. Brown, that's not star NFL wide receiver, to see that video and think, hey, I've struggled with some of these things before mm-hmm. as well. If A.J. Brown can talk about it and handle it, I can talk about it and handle it the right way. I think we've made a lot of progress as a society. I'm sad that we're not uh, all the way there because there's still a guy on my Facebook page who saw the thing last week and said, oh, this poor guy making millions of dollars, big, tough, strong, physically gifted athlete. What's he got to be depressed about who just don't get it? You know, and I think we're chipping away at that. This certainly does a lot to chip away at that. But that some people still think that way is uh, hopefully soon a vestige of the past. Armando Salguero joins us weekly here on the show as we preview the upcoming NFL slate and hit the biggest headlines. Uh, Armando, great to see you as always as we head into week 11. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? We are, we are doing great. Are you more certain in the AFC about the Kansas City Chiefs or the New England Patriots as we go into week 11? <laughs> ah, present Armando with the obstacle pothole to walk into. No, there's no pothole. I, Thank you. Right off the bat. Everyone is. Everyone thinks the Chiefs are back. They're hosting the Cowboys. Meanwhile, the Patriots are, uh, other than the Titans, they have the longest win streak right now in the NFL. Well, I think that the New England Patriots are probably the more complete team. 
So I will say that I like their defense way more. I like their offensive line way more. I like their running game way more all compared to the chiefs, but you know, the chiefs still have the Trump card and that is that they've got that quarterback. And if that quarterback is right, Patrick Mahomes figures out his fundamentals and his technique and he figures out that too high means that you've got to probably check down. The Chiefs are going to be pretty good. So it's six of one, half dozen the other. I would say right now the Patriots are the better team. They're definitely the hotter team, but I'm not dismissing the Chiefs by any means. If the Patriots are the better team, do you see the Patriots winning that division? Because everyone would pick right now the Chiefs to win the West. It's kind of the same question uh, when you get right down to it because the Buffalo Bills right. have the way more talented quarterback. Um, the difference with the Bills and the Chiefs, though, is I, you know the Bills' defense is better than what the Chiefs put on the field. And so it's going to be interesting. The, the Patriots and the Bills haven't played yet this year. And it's going to be a knockdown drag out those two games uh, later this month, rather next month and in January when they get together. It's going to be amazing. The AFC East is not over by any means. And I think it's not just going to be over based on who has the best quarterback. It's really going to be a measure of coaching staffs as well, because the Bills had kind of gotten the reputation as, We've got it figured out. We've got the culture. We've got the people in place. The offensive coordinator is awesome, and we're lucky he wasn't hired last year. The defensive coordinator is awesome, and we're lucky he wasn't hired as a head coach last year. Um, yeah, but <laughs> the Patriots are right there with you. Armando, a big question mark for tonight's game is the availability of Cordero Patterson. What's not a big question mark is the fact that Arthur Smith's done a great job finding the right role for Patterson in this Falcons offense. Overall, what do you make of the job Arthur Smith has done in year one with the Falcons? He's great. He's been great. Because if you took a needle and stuck it into Arthur Smith full of truth serum, he would tell you, I have no talent on the back end of my defense, I have not enough talent uh, in my running back room. And a lot of my guys are not really smart. And despite that, what have they won four or five games? Uh, they four were and five. Yep. Right. Exactly. So he, he's done a, a really good job of taking what he has and kind of emphasizing that they play without a doubt the most uncomplicated uh, pass defense in the entire NFL. And they do this because their guys just can't, one, figure out the complex stuff, and two, he wants them not thinking too much but rather reacting because um, it, it's just – it's a rebuild, and that's part of the team that needs to definitely be rebuilt. So that will continue. 
The Raiders have just lost to the Giants and the Chiefs. We know everything that's gone on there from Gruden to Ruggs to Arnett. Um, and we know that this team's recent history is to engulf itself in flames. That's a bad thing to have said based on what just happened. I caught myself. I apologize. Stupid. Um, that they fall apart down the stretch. Two and five two years ago. One and five last year. And uh, Derek Carr insists this is not that team. Any reason to believe it as they get ready for Cincinnati and a trip to Dallas? Okay, so this is the thing, Paul, that that drives me crazy about the NFL. So the Raiders get destroyed last week uh, by Kansas City. So Kansas City's back right? because, you know, one game. And, of course, the Raiders, you know, they lose a couple of games in a row. So the Raiders are done. Um, well, they've got the history. It's the right, but the history with with who? I mean, this is a totally brand new coach. Uh, the team is a little different, and honestly, it's a new season, and it happens to be the NFL's longest season, like ever. A fact. This is the NFL's longest season ever, so they have time to recover. They have been struck with a couple of you know, some heavy, heavy stuff here the last couple of weeks. And so I don't diminish the possibility that or dismiss the possibility that that had something to do with how they played the last couple of weeks. Um, I wouldn't necessarily just dismiss them altogether. Um, on the other hand, I wouldn't necessarily just lift the Kansas City Chiefs to they're back to Super Bowl form either. I, I just don't do the, you know, week to week, the narrative changes three, you know, 180 degrees and and the season's over or the season's a flutter. We're the media. I get it. We 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 like to decide things before they're not decided yet, but I guess I don't want to do that right now. What can I tell you? Well, what, what, how about in Carolina with Cam Newton joining that roster? Are you, are you buying back into what the Panthers are capable of? I think that when the season is over, the Carolina Panthers will be on the market for a starting quarterback and they're forever starting quarterback or at least an upgraded quarterback. I think that Cam Newton is who he is. He is no longer the 2015 MVP of the league. He's probably a, a, a solid NFL quarterback, but to win big in the NFL, which is what the Carolina Panthers uh, want to do, that's their stated mission. Um, you, you don't do it with a quarterback on the downside of his career. You don't do it with a quarterback that you signed two weeks ago you also don't do it with a guy who washed out with the New York Jets and had three nice games. And then what did we do back then? Remember that? Sam Darnold escaped <laughs> out of Gase and he's great now, except that Sam Darnold was still Sam Darnold and that showed up the next four games. So I just think that the Panthers will be quarterback shopping in the offseason. Armando Salguero, our guest here on Outkick 360. Cowboys at the Chiefs. Uh, can't wait to watch this game on Sunday, Armando. Chiefs with a lot on the line. We know the Cowboys looking to prove a point as well. They did last week. I know they blew out the Atlanta Falcons. 
But here's kind of a reality test for both teams, right? Offensively, Kansas City is the only team in the league that has had a 100-yard receiver at wide receiver, tight end, and at running back. Uh, and meanwhile, Dallas is extremely balanced. So what gives on Sunday in this matchup? Well, I like the Cowboys. Uh, you know, I know that they're going to be on the road, and I know that it's, uh, you know, Kansas City is a rough place to play. I like the Cowboys. They are the better team. They've been more consistent this year. I'm going to say something that, you know, is borderline heretic territory. The uh, Cowboys this year have the better quarterback. So Dak Prescott, uh, you know, has been performing way more consistently than what Patrick Mahomes has been performing. His, his quarterback rating is higher. His completion percentage is higher. I think he's got five fewer touchdowns because it has probably something to do with the fact that he's played two or three fewer games. So, uh, yeah, I, I know that that's not the popular thing to say that anybody is better than Patrick Mahomes, but on Sunday, the Kansas city chiefs are going to look across the sideline and see a better quarterback. I know PK's on board with the MVP going to Dak Prescott and, and maybe that, that is the case. But MVP is wide open right now, is it not? And and should we write off Patrick Mahomes at this point? No, no, we're not writing off anybody. I'm not writing off anybody. Look, I live right in Miami. Detroit. Uh, I'm writing off Detroit. I'm, yes. talking, I'm talking individual players at their best. Like uh, if, if Mahomes I'm, I'm, turns I'm, things around it offensively in Kansas City, the media will go crazy for that. That's true. I'm writing off Jacksonville too, by the way. <laughs> But I'm not writing off anybody legit. How's that? That's good. Uh, I'm not ready to write off either Pittsburgh or the Chargers right now. That's a Sunday night football game, Armando. Big game in the AFC. Uh, It's a home game for the Chargers geographically, but in the stands it'll be a home game for Pittsburgh uh, with their fans probably taking over SoFi Stadium. What do you think of this matchup on Sunday night? Well, if I'm the Chargers, I'm a little bit worried that my quarterback, who has shown himself to be a great big moment quarterback, at least early on and last year. Uh, on third down and in red zone lately, it's not been good. And shockingly, they've they've suffered as a result and they've lost a couple of games here. So they need to find a way to protect, you know, uh, Justin Herbert better, especially on known passing downs. That's what they talk about. When a team knows that you've got to throw on third and long, third and eight, whatever it is, uh, it's not just on the quarterback. you got to give the guy time, and the Chargers paid a lot of money and sank a lot of resources into improving their offensive line. Uh, the offensive line is not necessarily playing up to that, you know, those improvements and those resources lately. I want to stick with the Chargers for a second. I feel like the Chargers and the Bengals are kind of in the same boat. Second-year quarterbacks who've proven to be pretty terrific. Which team do you think is more equipped? That The Bengals have lost two in a row. The Chargers have lost three out of four. Which team do you think is more equipped to, to find some steadiness here down the stretch and, uh, and maybe be some kind of contender in this big playoff field? Yeah, I want 
Paul, I want to buy the Bengals. I really, really want to buy the Bengals. I, you know, I've got friends on that coaching staff. I want to buy the Bengals, but I can't buy the Bengals. Uh, you know, I, I just, they're, they don't know that they're rebuilding. Let's put it that way. But they really are rebuilding. I mean, this, you mentioned it. This is a second year quarterback for Cincinnati, who, by the way, missed the last month and a half last year. So really, he's just about ready to finish his first NFL season. That's not, that's not you're ready to go to the playoffs time. They still have work to do. The Chargers are more playoff capable, more playoff ready, but we just mentioned their offensive line and other issues that they got. They got work to do as well. Armando, I mentioned to the guys earlier this week, I'm not buying that Buffalo is built for the postseason because they can't run the football. And meanwhile, the Colts on the road this week against Buffalo, we know their defense is is good, very opportunistic on special teams as well. Where are you with Buffalo on what's keeping them from really taking over the AFC like everyone thought they would? And are you with me that they're so inconsistent in their run game that that's ultimately going to bite them in January? Yeah, and they recognize that. They know that their run game is not right. They know that they've got offensive line issues, and that's one of the reasons that their run game is not right. And they know that they've probably uh, leaned too much on Josh Allen to you know, kind of save them from their flaws. And my guess is that they're going to try in the next couple of weeks, starting this Sunday, to prove a point that we know and we're addressing it. And so I don't know if they actually can, but they're aware. Let's put it that way. And don't be surprised if the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen, arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, are you know running the ball 25, 28 times on Sunday if they can. Armando, always great to have you on, man. Follow uh, Armando on Twitter, at Armando Salguero. We look forward to reading all the all your work this weekend, recapping it on Monday morning at Outkick.com, and then we'll uh, we'll chat with you next week. Always my pleasure. Thanks. Thanks, Armando. Armando Salguero, great at what he does, uh, senior NFL writer at Outkick.com. And I guess he's at the game tonight. Looked like he was in a hotel room. In the background. So, in Atlanta? Yeah, I'm guessing he's at uh, Patriots Falcons tonight. And if not, I just put him there. So when you say it on air, it is so. So he's at that game tonight, and he will have coverage for Outkick. I uh, I hope for his sake he does not have to go to Dolphins Jets on Sunday. That's a tough one. That's a better one to be home and monitoring the league. Maybe a close game, not a great game. We're not expecting a close game this Sunday for the Titans and Texans, but coming back we'll discuss three key areas on how the titans get a win their ninth win of the season that's straight ahead on outkick 360 former titans head coach jeff fisher will join us in studio in 14 minutes exactly looking forward to the chat with uh, the coach who's going into the ring of honor for the tennessee titans this sunday as the texans visit uh, going in with uh, General Manager Floyd Reese. Looking forward to what's going to be a fun chat with the former Titans coach here at 4 o'clock Central, 5 o'clock Eastern across the Outkick Network. Uh, speaking of that game, here's how 
the Titans go about beating the Texans, at least from my point of view. Look, they shouldn't lose this game. I said the same thing about the Jets, though. So let's go through the keys of how the Titans beat the Texans. Paul and Chad will chime in as well. Look, I've said this for week after week, but finding a way to win, because that's exactly what they've done on defense and on special teams with some key plays against the Saints, uh, not having their lead back with Derrick Henry. They've won every game since he went down. What, six-game win streak now? Uh, Since we saw them lose to the New York Jets. They've been really good in playing well in all three phases. Complimentary football. Uh, Meanwhile, Houston, not good in really any phase. They've scored nine points, zero points, 22 points, three points, five points, 22 points, nine points. That's their last seven games and what they've put on the scoreboard. Uh, The only way that the Texans win this game is if the Titans turn it over and hand it to them. Find a way, be opportunistic, score early and often, and separate the score, and and you'll be able to to get the offense right. That's key number two for me, guys, is continue to piece this together and figure out a way on and, and figure out guys you can lean on outside of AJ Brown. Then they haven't. We know Marcus Johnson came Got to life last week. last week. Let's keep some consistency Him or going somebody. there. Get a run game going. It's not about the 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 number of carries for any individual back. It's about the separate the, the 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 way they distribute the carries because we know they want to run the football. They just don't have that one guy that they can run the football with down in and down out. That's what they did with Derek. Now they have a couple different backs to choose from. Rotation figured out. Also, Foreman's been, I don't know that the rotation will be the same week to week, but Foreman has looked better than Peterson so far. It'd be good for Peterson to to get more in the flow to show us what he's going to be. What's he got left? You know, this is a bad run defense team. You know, Peterson's been around for two weeks now. We're probably going to see what Peterson is. What was the crazy stat John McClain threw to us that he wants to write about and he was hoping the Titans would not allow an offensive touchdown for the Texans because that would be the fifth straight game oh. in an NFL record that the Texans have not scored on an offensive road. touchdown? I think on Or maybe road. it's in road games? Yeah. So against Los Angeles, they had 22 points. I'm assuming they had at least one offensive touchdown in that game. Was that home? But it, but it's it was been... That was a home game. It's been 31-3. to three. These, these are the... Yes. These are their away games. Buffalo 40 to nothing. Colts 31 to 3, Arizona 31 to 5, Miami 17 to 9. So that would be a fifth straight road game yep. to not score a touchdown. Titans would love to keep them out of the end that zone. That is what I am watching this Sunday, boys. I am watching for that to see if we can make some history. Since Henry's been down, they average 229 total offensive yards per game. That's a big dip. That's the worst in the league since Henry has left. If you just this is the kind of stat it. that we would have heard when Henry went down and said, "Yeah, there's be no 0 way." Two. That's, then, right. that's a disaster. They're also just twenty nine percent converting on third down without Henry. In the oh, lineup. and two a disaster. Right, and it's Defenses been the opposite. Has made it so that the, the one one big and the other one, you know, wasn't really in doubt. Maybe they would have tied. Should should point out though. The one way the Texans messed this game up for the Titans is with turnovers. Tannehill's had a couple where you look at it and you're like, we didn't see, we haven't seen that type of bad throw from him over the last year and a half. He's had a couple of those throws this year. Got the away Texans, with the fumble last week. The too. Texans ranked tenth in turnovers defensively. So 
they they can create some turnovers and flip field position. They're just not very good at capitalizing on that. Mentioned earlier this week, Jonathan Gennard, seven sacks in seven games. One of those could turn into a strip sack. You don't want that. So that's key number three for me. Just no turnovers. You can have one. I'm not saying you lose if you have one. Just no stupid ones uh, where you throw into coverage and you look back and go, what what did he see there? Right? Like we've, we've had a couple of those from Tannehill this year that even he would admit he's got to be better at. And Vrabel's pointed that out too. Yeah, play clean. Play, play clean, figure some things out, and uh, don't give them any, any cause for belief. Well, don't, don't have a second Jets incident. I mean, that's, it's yeah. pretty simple in, in this game, and, and you're, not, you're not playing with a full deck once again like you weren't against the Jets, so avoid that because it's a team that's found a way. This isn't a game where you should have to find a way. You find a way without Derrick Henry against the Rams on the road. You find a way against the Saints because Sean Payton is an excellent coach who's going to find ways, even with Trevor Simeon and no Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. And the Titans found more ways to win it. There's no discovery in this game. Just go play well, handle your business with who you have, and this should not be an issue. Unless they roll out with Deshaun Watson. He didn't practice again today. I, I doubt that's happening. I, I do too. No injury designation. No practice. Not, he's not even running the scout team. Um, they've turned it over 17 times, Paul, the Texans have. And Titans are... Uh, That's fifth worst. You know, the, their takeaway last week was on special teams, but the defense uh, has been controlling games. They've also, they've also allowed five sacks in their last two games, Houston's offensive line. So Terod Taylor's back. He's, he has eight carries um, from, the, from the quarterback position. He's run eight times for 78 yards. He led them to their only victory, which was week one. And they were fine without Dupree last week. Uh, the odds of seeing Dupree this week are uh, very low. Didn't practice for a second time today with the abdomen. I'm not expecting to see him. Nate Davis out for the second time with the concussion. I'm not expecting to see him. Uh, you know, Chris Jackson's been out both days. David Long's been out both days. Jeremy McNichols has been out both days with a concussion. So the backfield might not have third down back, which would create some intrigue as to as to what exactly they do there. Also, I have no idea what to expect with Houston coming off their bye. You know, be fresher than the Titans. That's so, for sure. Most of it, like sometimes really bad teams play well in week one and they play well coming off their bye because you have extra time to prepare and work in things. You know, Wisenhunt never lost a season opener here. He was terrible. He was bad. He was very bad. Uh, I, I don't expect the stadium to be uh, electric necessarily, except maybe prompted by halftime. <laughs> well, hopefully they have some reason to cheer. Yeah, well, no, they should be cheering some points. But yeah. I, they're not that at pregame anticipatory buzz that we've had lately with the crackle because the, the competition's been so good. Very fitting that Houston's in town for this, right? With yeah, Fisher well, that's, and that's Floyd why going they, in. I imagine that's why they picked this weekend then, yeah. and because Jeff and, and Floyd's family uh, both – had clear calendars. Gonna get a, we'll have a front row seat for the for the speech. We'll it, find out from Jeff how long. It's that also will be. just the right level of subtle trolling that we <laughs> respect, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Let's let's just rub it in their face a little bit more that you lost your your original well, NFL franchise. The, the they were wearing the throwback. The troll job would have been Bum Phillips weekend. Yes. that would have been the troll job and the throwbacks. 
This one works too, though. <laughs> uh, these are these are two people that were a part of the Oilers as well as the I don't Titans. Know, for so some reason, I, I thought Jacksonville would be a very fitting weekend for Fisher. That would work too yeah. on the road. But I mean, do you, the, yeah, but what's the, what's the in troll? Jacksonville? What's the troll? Well, I guess I could say the same with the Texans. But what's the troll right now for Jacksonville if you're the Titans? I mean, there's <laughs> their their existence is a troll job. Got to make up what you can. Yeah. Coming up, former Titans head coach Jeff Fisher joins us here at Sixth and Peabody. Um, he's looking over at us going, how am I going to fit in this three-person We make table? it work. I Magic. get a lot skinnier than this. We're going to make it work. We'll actually Magic. have four microphones when we return. Jeff Fisher with us next in studio at 6th and Peabody. Tell some stories, laugh a bit, kick back, relax, and enjoy the conversation on Outkick 360. Hang with us.